0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at LifeHouseChurch.org. My goals for this series is that some of you who are not married, will, you'll get married. Some of you who are married will stay married and have a healthier marriage. I also mentioned that one of my hopes is that some of you who are dating the wrong one would break up. Because you can't marry the right one if you're dating the wrong one. And then I also mentioned that I hope that some of you who are struggling with or carrying deep hurt or shame or pain from past relationships, past crises, will discover healing and hope. This particular message is probably a little bit on the PG version of it. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to try to say it in a very discreet careful, and delicate way, but I do wanna talk about this idea of passion, pleasure, and purity, and how you bring those together, and so let me just throw it out there for you. In a hypersexualized culture, where images and content is pumped at us and so easily accessible even to the youngest children, how how do you respond when all of this content is being thrown at you? How do you manage your passions and how do you protect your purity? This idea of purity is that even a thing. Like, does anybody even give a second thought to whether or not the world we live in, this hypersexualized culture, is corrupting their purity? do you even care uh, for you do you just give in and just kind of throw caution to the wind and just say you know kind of like I'll do what I want I'll enjoy what I want and if you have how has that worked out for you do do you feel free or do you, do you carry shame do you carry guilt because you indulged your impulses or maybe others of you 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 feel really guarded and you feel very protective, and you've maybe you've fought back and resisted. Maybe you feel like you're trying really hard to resist all of the, the what you know, all of the hypersexualization, and you try to protect yourself from it. And and how is that going for you? How how do you feel like you're doing when I, when I've tackled this issue? And I've thought about it, I've read about it, I've preached about these topics before, but the best illustration I could find that really captures this idea of how do we respond to a culture that is trying to kind of pump at us a lot of content that, like I said, is hypersexualized. That stirs up a lot of desires and passions. What do we do about that? And so it, th- this, this illustration, it's actually an ancient illustration. It's from uh, Homer's The Odyssey. And so let me just, I have it written down here. Let me just read it to you. And I'm gonna read it kind of quickly here. Olseus uh, ran to the bow of the ship, turned and bellowed for all of his crewmen to hear. We are, we are mere men, unable to resist the promise of sweet love in the mermaid's song. The sirens have baited every ship before us with their songs, and every time the ships have crashed against the rocks upon which the sirens sit. But not this time, my friends. We will not fall to their temptation. Indeed, we will not allow ourselves to be tempted. I want every sailor to take some of this beeswax and put it in your ears so you can hear nothing and tie me to the mast. His crew looked at, at each other in bewilderment. You heard me, he shouted again. Tie me to the mast and tie me tight and fast. The sun angrily beat down as the, the disciplined crew rushed about the ship responding to Yossi's orders. And and none too soon had they crammed the wax into their ears and finished tying their captain to the mast, but the beautiful, intoxicating love songs of the siren mermaids began to softly fill the air. The siren's song, in all of its passion and wonder, greeted the ship across the water as a warm fire greets cold hands on a winter's day. The crew was oblivious, all except Yolsis, who, while tied to the mast, had no wax to stop the music. Yse's blood ran hot with passion, untie me, he screamed in anguish, please untie me, I command you to untie me, please, I beg you, you guys enjoying your story story hour so far, but the crew could not hear and had been commanded by uh Commanded by him to not read his lips. The song grew louder and lovelier, and Yossi's groaned with sheer physical desire. He then began to scream like a madman for someone to heed his orders and turn the ship toward the source of that sweet, lustful music. Yossi's threatened the plank. Cyclops feedings and various other forms of torture as the ship passed the sirens' rocky coastline, and then finally moved beyond the reach of their song. And exhausted, you'll see. his face, a deep scarlet from the struggle, finally was untied and fell weak upon the ship's deck. Why? He moaned with his remaining strength. Why does it seem that the things I desire most in this life lead to my destruction? Why must I be restrained from something so beautiful? The mast is my savior this day from my headlong cravings for that sweet and deadly song of the siren mermaids. Share a couple thoughts on about this story that I thought were relevant before I kind of unpack this for you. Uh, the reality is that we live not just in a hypersexualized culture, but a culture that has um, a view that sex is God. As a result, your first and primary identity is viewed as you being a sexual being. That's right, that's why there is such a hyper-focus on gender sexuality and your sexual identity and your sexual experiences. It's as if the worst thing that could ever happen to you is not being able to fully enjoy all of your sexual desires. When in fact, we are not first and foremost sexual beings. Is that the essence of who we are? But in our culture, that is. And not only that, but we are being, it's like the siren's song. We're being sung a song that says, you're missing out. We're we're thrown a buffet line of ideas and images and content and being told, you're missing out. There's something so much more appealing for you if you would only indulge, if you would only steer your life in this direction. And then what happens? Don't we see in our culture how it leads to shipwreck when people indulge in experience? I mean, how is that working out when we have children? I mean, elementary age children being pumped sexual content. When we have middle schoolers already engaging in online sexual content, having sexual experiences. When, by the time you get to the teenage years, um, 75% of kids, let me me make sure I get this right, look at my statistics, yep. 75% of teens have had some form of sexual activity. 46% of them have gone all the way in full sexual intercourse, and two-thirds of those with multiple partners. Two-thirds of our children between the ages of 10 and 17, have, have encountered pornography, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And speaking of pornography, worldwide, it is a $97 billion industry. Right here in the United States, it's a $16 billion industry. That is more income than the four major, sports, or the three major sports combined, right? NFL, NBA, and uh, Major League Baseball. If you combine all of their revenue for uh, combined revenue, it's less than the porn industry. What does that mean? That means uh, that kind of an industry has to recruit new players, right? If you think about it from like a sports analogy, what do you think is the leading cause of sex trafficking in the United States of America? Every time somebody views porn, they are They are encouraging, they're promoting, they're funding the human trafficking. Meaning our culture is steering toward the rocks of the sirens call and it's leading toward ruin. you know, when you think about just couples connecting, you have a continuing growing rise in cohabitation, meaning people not getting married, just living together, playing house. And then for the people who cohabitate and get married, we have an 80% chance of divorce. So meaning it's leading to shipwreck, it's leading to ruin. And so kind of the, the mantra of our culture is if it feels good, do it. You know, whatever you desire, you should indulge. Your desires are right, even if they seem wrong to anyone and everyone else. What you feel is more important than what's real. And so as a result, it's leading toward wreck, ruin. And even as I say this, I say this with all sensitivity because I know some of you, you carry shame, hurt. Pain. In fact, I want to shift gears for just a moment and acknowledge that. Because the other side, right, the one part of the story is that you could drive the ship, you could steer the ship directly into the rocks toward the siren's call, and it will lead to devastation and ruin. And as you'll see said, he goes, why is it that what I desire leads to my destruction? So what's the other option? Well, you could just put the beeswax in your ears and just ignore it and act like this isn't reality. It doesn't seem to work out really well because it seems like it's always getting put in front of you. Or you could be like you'll see the captain who, who gets tied to the mast and says, nobody let me free. And it, and, it, and it just wearies him and wrecks him. It's this idea of restraint, moral determinism. I will do the right thing. And unfortunately, what this does is it brings us back to an echo of, of, of generations or decades within the church now, some, many of you may not be familiar with this at all, but some of you are aware, maybe some of you carry the open wounds from this generation where so often people were treated in the church to a toxic view of purity and modesty. Every woman was treated like they're part of the siren song, treated like a seductress, and it, it became common to treat women as if they're the problem. And so women had to dress in a certain way and act in a certain way as to, now let me be clear here because it's not like we're opposed to modesty. But what happened was pressure got put on women that it's their responsibility for the sexual desires of men. Like you can't dress in that way because it's your fault if he lusts after you. Let me be very clear as a church, we would not agree with that. I do not see that biblically. I do see the concept of purity and modesty, but not for the purpose of taking responsibility for someone else's actions, behaviors, or desires. And so what it did was it created this toxic shame. I am my sexual identity. I must be modest or I'm shameful. It created an attitude where our culture says sex is a god. It it treated sexuality as gross, Something to be feared, something to be ashamed of, something to be embarrassed by, something we don't talk about. And the challenge with that then is people who did stumble, people who did make mistakes, felt like damaged goods. Felt like they were carrying the scarlet letter. People who did have sex outside of marriage felt like there was no hope for a future and a happy marriage. It's, it's tying themselves to the mast of saying, I'm gonna restrain my desires and it makes all desire sound like a siren song and makes all women seem bad and like seductresses. And I think there's gotta be a different way, a better approach. Is there a better approach? you know Can it only be either lose all reason and end up shipwrecked or morally restrain yourself from giving into your desires? So I want to bring you now to the book of Proverbs in the Bible, written somewhere between 2000 and 1500 BC. So we're trying to go back 4,000 years thinking, is there anything good in here? And I'm bringing you back to the book of Proverbs, written by King Solomon. One of the things that's really cool about this book is many scholars believe that much of the book of Proverbs was written for royalty, to train their sons how to be princes, how to be part of the royal court. And so it is specifically geared to young men. And so don't interpret this as like, you know, chauvinistic, but he's, let me just jump in and read some of this to you. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear toward to my words of insight that you may May maintain discretion that your lips may preserve knowledge for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. Remember, he, he's using this, these pictures as metaphors. He's not just calling out women. He's saying sexual desire will destroy you if you allow it to lure you in and tempt you toward ruin. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. The, again, this is not calling out women. This is saying, this desire, he, he's personifying lustful desire as a woman seducing. Now, let me, let me read to you another way of imagining this story because the, because the author Solomon is not inviting, not challenging us to be prudish but prudent. And he's saying a fool is unruly, unreliable, and unteachable. And he's challenging his son, would you listen to me? Would you be teachable? I know that what I'm, what I'm saying to you is going to sound extreme because it is extreme. So what we're looking at in our world is leading to shipwreck and people who are just trying to morally restrain themselves, that's not working out well for them. Jumping back into the story of Ulysses, not far behind the ship of Ulysses came another great ship. These sailors also realized the dangers of the sirens and the rocks upon which they sat. Captain Orpheus, the first mate, enthusiastically declared, the sweet song of the sirens lies just ahead. With the announcement, the crew cheered. The great Orpheus smiled. All around the ship, crewmen's voices rang with excitement. The part of the voyage they longed for was soon at hand. In fact, there were some on the ship who had come along just to hear the music. With a knowing smile, the dauntless captain received a beautifully adorned case from his cabin. Boy, Uh, from his cabin boy. The acclaimed Orpheus carefully removed the priceless instrument as the crewman stood nearby with bated breath. Then, with princely grace, he lifted the instrument above his head in a gesture of victory, while the crew around him whistled with enthusiasm. Play it, captain, play it, cheered the helmsman. Come on, great Orpheus, play it, whooped the enthusiastic first mate. All eyes were transfixed upon their hero. Captain Orpheus took his stance and began to masterfully play the most perfect music the men's ears had ever heard. Each crewman became lost in the reverie of the song. All too soon, the siren coastline was out of sight, and the master musician concluded the song that he himself had composed. Not a single man aboard the ship was tempted by the siren's melody. In fact, no one even noticed Though the mermaid's music was alluring and sweet, the superb Orpheus played for his crew a sweeter song. I hope that caught your attention because what we really need is a sweeter song. And what I would challenge you is that what God offers is a sweeter song in sexual desire and fulfillment. And what God offers is what Scripture refers to as purity. It's not being prudish. It's not being judgmental or overly restrictive. Purity means you can enjoy God's purposes while being uncorrupted. Purity is the sweeter song to great sex. That's right. I actually just said that. I hope some of you are at least chuckling. What? I can't believe Patrick just said that. Here's the deal. Every one of us end up shipwrecked in life. Why? Because we all hear the siren song, not of women who are seductresses, please understand what I'm getting at here, but of sin. Sin always will trick you and tell you that what feels good is good. What you desire is for your best, but it's a trick. It will lure you in, and what you desire will actually destroy you. Sin is a corruption inside of every one of us and it always plays a siren song luring you to believe that what feels good is good, that your desires are for your best when actually every time they will destroy you and they have destroyed us. They've led toward a life of shipwreck and some of you are still picking up the pieces. Some of you are right on the rocks about to wreck your life. Sin is doesn't just wreck our lives, wreck relationships. It doesn't just leave us with heartache, shame, and guilt, and disappointment. It leads to a forever far from God. But God was unwilling to leave you and I and our life shipwreck, and so he intervened in our life. That's right. God intervened in the mess and the messiness of the shipwreck by playing not just a sweeter song, but by giving his life to give us life. Jesus came from heaven to earth to take on our shame. The sin corruption that lives inside of every one of us, and he died in our place to give us life. Jesus gave his life on the cross. Absorbing the full judgment that sin deserves, taking on our deaths, our eternal death sentence. But Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead and in his victory, he gives us forgiveness, new life and forever life so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. What Jesus does is he draws a line in the sand. He separates our past shipwrecked life from the new life and the forever life we can be given. Do you know that right now, whatever you've been carrying, whatever you've been through, God wants to give you a new life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to heal you. He he did not come to judge and condemn, but to forgive and give new life. You wanna be forgiven? With the pain, the hurt, the shame from the past, the regrets that our world throws at us. You want, you want to have that stuff washed away? The only way that can happen is through faith in Jesus Christ, a God who loves you and gave his life for you. And right now, if you would believe in Jesus by faith, you would experience his love, his lavish love that is a sweeter song. It's better than anything this world can allure you with. It's better than any bait the enemy can throw at you. Jesus' love is that sweeter song. And when you believe in Jesus by faith, he comes and he gives you that new life. He, he cleans up the shipwreck and he, he sets a, our life sailing in a new direction. Can I just pause and say, would you believe in Jesus Christ right now? If you're making that decision, would you let someone know? Would you let us know? Scan the QR code that's on the screen. If you're... Uh, would you fill out the form and our campus pastor will follow up with you and encourage you to begin this new journey in relationship with God. Now you've said yes to Jesus, right? Remember the enemy's tactic is always to get you to settle for something less than God's best. He, he knows that short-term compromise will lead to long-term crisis. Let me say it again. Short-term compromise will lead to long-term crisis. Listening to that siren song will almost always get you to shipwreck the long-term part of your life into disaster. So what is God's way? His way is purity. Not some toxic, religious, judgmental, condemning approach, but a true best for your life where God wants to wash us, cleanse us, make our hearts whole and right. And so let me jump back and read Proverbs chapter two, Uh, read a couple verses there for you. He says this, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Knowledge will be a sweeter song. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. He's speaking to those he's training in royalty and he's saying, learn wisdom learn to apply knowledge discover understanding thus you will walk in the ways of good and keep to the paths of righteousness righteousness is this idea of right living it's it's living skillfully so that you're living a life that is wise and good and best. Boy, doesn't that sound good? So now let's apply that to purity. If you jump ahead a few books, you get to the Song of Songs, which is a book that's included in the Bible about a healthy, God-honoring way of enjoying and experiencing sexual Purity and sexual fulfillment. And so if you jump in chapter three, verse five, it just simply reads this way. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Chapter eight, verse four says, promise not to awaken or excite my feelings of love until it's ready. The key here is to guard purity before marriage. Guard your purity before marriage. Let let me just add a statement to that. We as a community should be working hard to protect our children and young people and their purity. Not, not overly exposing them to adult content and adult ideas before it is appropriate time in their life. So let me give a challenge to, to each of you. Guard your heart before marriage. Marriage from arousing sexual desire in a way that it cannot be fulfilled. This is why um, pornography, any type of sexual content, and and self-stimulation is dangerous because it's stirring sexual desires that cannot have a healthy, appropriate outlet. And here's the key, just give you a thought. This is true both before marriage and after marriage. If the sexual um, desire is being stirred, by something unhealthy, it will never find a healthy outlet. Let me, let me make that clear. If the content you're getting in that stirring sexual desire is from an unhealthy source, you will never find a healthy sexual outlet for that. So you, you got to guard yourself, guard your purity, guard your eyes, guard your behavior. Don't expose yourself to things don't watch certain content don't don't just entertain yourself man we live in a culture where it's at your fingertips parents put guards on your children's phone, trust me, they're watching more than you know. They're having access to things you don't realize they're having access to. They're entertaining ideas. They're interacting with people they should not be. And you've got to be hyper vigilant and careful. I don't care whether your kids want you to or not, because you have given them access to something that is incredibly dangerous when they have access to their phone. This is not about strapping yourself to the mast and, and just restraining yourself or your children prudishly. This is about protecting sex as a gift. Remember I said culture treats it as a god. Too often, religion has treated sexuality as gross, but we must treat it as a gift, as a treasure, to be protected, to be cared for, which means you, you, we have to keep our thoughts and behaviors pure and private before marriage. That's why I said, guard against pornography and any other unhealthy source of sexual imagery or content. Song of Songs reads it this way in chapter 1, verse 7 Tell me. You whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like the veiled women beside the flocks of your friends? He's, she, she's talking about the fact that uh, the the king's uh, men would have these flocks and the prostitutes who are veiled would follow along looking for an opportunity. She says, why should I be treated like a prostitute? I'm not looking for some cheap fling. She's saying... You know, here's the challenge. So, for for ladies, young young ladies, women, you're single, you're not outside of marriage. Stop looking for guys that can show you a good time. Look for the kind of guy that will be good to you for a long time. Guys, don't go chasing after the kind of women that will show you everything they've got. Trust me, that's everything they've got. They'll give you what they've got. Before marriage, that's, that's all they've got. And I'm not trying to speak down. I'm not trying to speak disparaging. I'm trying to challenge you that if you want different results, you gotta do something differently. Don't settle for the quick and easy. God's way is never just quick and easy. Our desires always, you know, our tendency is to get what we can now, but God's way is to wait for his best later. Wait for the ultimate rather than settling for the temporary and the immediate. Which means you gotta set appropriate and healthy boundaries. You gotta put boundaries on your computer or your phone. You gotta put boundaries in your relationships. Don't let, don't get engaged in the kind of talk that will corrupt your heart. Keep your conversations pure. Keep the jokes pure. Keep what you consume pure, right? Guard your purity. Put healthy boundaries around your sexuality. Listen to me very clearly sex is a jewel that is awaiting its right setting. It's the sweeter song of purity. The reality is that marriage between a a man and a woman in the covenant relationship that God designed is the only appropriate outlet for sexual fulfillment, which means you have to guard your purity in marriage. That's right. Just like I challenged people who are outside of marriage, don't, don't become overexposed. Look, we live in a culture that so overexposes sexuality, treats it as a God that in marriage... Now, this is true across the board, but let's talk specifically in marriage. People feel frustrated, discouraged, disappointed with their own sexual experiences because what they're being sold is a lie. It's the siren song. It's not real. It will destroy you. You're being told that there's a buffet line of all kinds of other desires. You're getting pumped images, and you're, you're you're being exposed to content that is manufactured in Hollywood. It's being created and photoshopped and edited to make you believe that it's real, but it's not. And you're not missing out. You're compromised. I am trying to challenge you that in an overexposed culture, guard your life, guard your eyes, put protections around you so that you could protect the purity of sexuality in marriage, which means don't bring outside content into your home that will corrupt your relationship. You can enjoy deep intimacy, fulfilling sexual experiences if you will protect your marriage from overexposure To outside sexual content, conversations, and any other anything else that would corrupt. Let me let me give you a couple key challenges. Share sexual intimacy freely within marriage. Some of you should be saying, Amen. All right, Pastor Patrick. Here's the key: sex in marriage should never be selfish. It should be to serve and love and adore and care for and enjoy the other, which means you should never use it or abuse it. Use use sexual availability as manipulative. Always be available to your spouse. And when you're available to your spouse, don't you dare go into that sexual encounter for what you can get out of it, but how you can enjoy and help your spouse enjoy the moment. Look, these biblical ideas are revolutionary. We're talking for thousands of years in patriarchal societies where men could treat women however they wanted, and the Bible instructs us that this is for our mutual enjoyment. This is for caring for the other. This is about oneness and intimacy and deeply knowing the other. This was God's design. God created us To enjoy sexuality. He gave us the gift of sex in marriage. And then, you know, the enemy's goal is this. The the enemy's goal is to get you to have sex and and fulfill your sexual desires before marriage and then keep you from doing it once you get married. That was a laugh. You should probably chuckle at least, even if it's painful to go, yeah, that's kind of true. So your challenge is this. Adore your spouse. Make sure that your spouse is at the center of your sexual desires and sexual passion. Remember that lovemaking is about oneness and intimacy. Okay, let let me conclude with this. I've been praying for you. And I had this concern that when I knew and I talked about this, it's complicated. Because probably many of you, if not most of you, when I share this, you go, yeah, that's not me. It's not where I've been. I haven't been pure. Got a lot of corruption in my life, let me be very clear. God's desire is not to shame you, to embarrass you, to hurt you. God loves you, He's for you. He wants to wash, He wants to cleanse, He wants to clean up the shipwreck, and He wants to make you whole and right. And He can and He will. So, wherever there's pain and regret from the past, would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come and meet you now and heal you? This message is about your tomorrow. It's about your future. God can wash and clean and we can experience purity moving forward. Some of you need to make a commitment right now to begin today to walk out that purity, to change behaviors and habits. Don't try to tie yourself to the mast. Get help, get healing. Some of you need to go for marriage counseling. Some of you need to go to pre-marriage counseling. Some of you need to break up the person who has not been treating you in a God-honoring way. Others of you, you need to raise your standards, guard your heart. Some of you need to put some protections onto your devices, but I'm saying this in love because God cares about you. I wanna pray over you right now. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. God, I pray for healing over every heart. Lord, I pray that as you heal You would heal wounds of shame and regret and guilt. Would you wash away sin? And in its place, would you leave every heart that believes in you pure, washed, cleansed, made right? And would you give us the courage to walk in obedience today to what is the next right thing to do in walking out our purity? We ask this in Jesus' name.